the Soccer Gambling Podcast is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, and Arizona. From boosted parlays to in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today to receive a $1,000 risk-free sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com and start winning today. But also brought to you by PropSwap, America's marketplace to buy and sell sports bets. Check out the new PropSwap.com and use the promo code SGP on your first deposit to receive up to $500 in bonus cash. We're also brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is DFS simplified. Head over to PrizePicks.com and use the promo code SGP for a 100% deposit match up to $100. We're also brought to you by Sobet. Sign up to bet against your friends and join the social betting revolution at Sobet.io. That's Sobet.io. We're also brought to you by Better Fantasy. Better Fantasy is a new free-to-play app that lets you sync your fantasy football league and bet on the head-to-head matchups. Download the app today or just head to betterfantasy.com slash SGP. That's B-E-T-T-O-R fantasy.com slash SGP. And of course, don't forget to download the SGPN app, your home for all of our free picks and free podcasts. Seems to be even less desire from Villarreal to commit too many forward now since the Manchester United changes. And he falls here to Ronaldo! Oh, he's done it again! Every time they play in the Champions League, the man with the number seven on his back delivers the goods for Manchester United and when they needed it most, their biggest superstar delivers. Fred anticipates it. And then... Look at Ronaldo. He knows exactly where he is on the pitch. Fred, well done, Fred. Just look at Ronaldo. Knows where the goalkeeper is and the finish is magnificent. It's that man once again. But there, they're on the front foot down and they're pressing high. They're anticipating. What a finish from Ronaldo. He delivers once again. Scott McTominay, Cristiano Ronaldo, Marcus Rashford's in space. Rashford moving in, Bruno Fernandes, Jaden Sancho, there you go, Manchester United through to the last 16 of the Champions League, and Jaden Sancho scores his first ever Manchester United goal. Once again, give Fred credit, nicks the ball there, then Ronaldo's back heel, good play. This pass from Ronaldo is brilliant. The subs combining, and then this finish. One touch. Smash. Underside of the crossbar. Wonderful counter-attacking goal. Well, there's the full-time whistle. And that is just what Manchester United needed. They're through to the last 16 of the Champions League. And there will be relief all round. Some big performances down there. You have to say a massive well done to Michael Carrick, who got the game plan right, made the substitutions at the right time, and earns his first win as the interim manager. And I'm sure that one of the biggest smiles tonight will be on the face of the man who lost his job on Saturday, but cares deeply about the club and about the players. Manchester United have done it. Well done to them. They're through to the last 16 of the Champions League. Villarreal nil. Manchester United 2. 
You are listening to BetMUFC here on the Soccer Gambling Podcast. You can follow the Soccer Gambling Podcast on Twitter at SGP Soccer. That's at SGP Soccer. Also follow the Twitter account for BetMUFC. That's at BetMUFC. At BetMUFC. For my additional content, check out my website, lockbetting.com. That's lockbetting.com. I am on the verge of guiding my clients to 102 months in a row of transparent track profit, heavily aided by a decent day in soccer so far today. If you want to be part of that 103rd month, sign up for the service on December the 1st. The reason I'm not saying to sign up in the next four days for the next four days of plays is because you will be billed immediately. You'll be billed for the month of November and you'll only get four days of content. So it's best to sign up for December the 1st to get the entire month. The reason it happens is because my website links to a Patreon and Patreon's great because it gives you full transparency, which is important here because when I post up my P&Ls, my members can comment at the bottom of all of it. So if there was a play that wasn't real, if I added plays, if I took plays away, if it didn't add up for some reason, if there was any kind of suspicious activity, people would pick up on it straight away. And therefore, I allow myself to be completely transparent. My spreadsheets are completely real and I use Patreon for that. The drawback is the billing is pretty bad in terms of it bills you as soon as you sign up and it will bill you again on the first of the month. So the best thing to do, as I said, is to wait until December the 1st. December is going to be a massive month. Tons and tons of soccer, especially with the domestic soccer season in England. The Premier League goes crazy around Christmas time. And of course, we have the end of the NFL regular season and we're bang into the NBA season as well. So moving on with this edition of BetMUFC, we heard at the start of the show, Manchester United bounce back after the sacking of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer with a 2-0 win against Villarreal. That means we've got two wins over them in the Champions League and their hopes of qualifying are hanging by a thread as they face Atalanta in the final game. Man United have actually won the group. That's due to Atalanta not being able to catch Manchester United now after a 3-3 draw with Young Boys. That was disappointing for us over on the um, Soccer Gambling Podcast Champions league show because we had Atalanta as a lock but for our futures it was great because we needed Man United to qualify, we needed all of the English teams to qualify and we needed Man United to win the group so very successful day if you're over at lockbetting.com with the futures with Manchester United winning the group. Despite the fact we picked up this victory Paul Scholes in particular was not impressed by the fact that the likes of Michael Carrick and Phelan were able to carry on with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer no longer in the job Here's a little audio clip of everything that Scolzi had to say about the entire situation. The feeling in the club is a lot better from when he first came. We know now, and we thought at the time, we thought a long time ago, that he probably couldn't take us to that next level which, which was required. Um, he'd got us to a second in the Premier League, which isn't bad. Numerous semi-finals, a final as well last year, but we just couldn't. He just couldn't make that final step. I have to say, it's difficult. You think of Liverpool, Manchester City, Chelsea. There's a lot of quality in this Premier League. But whoever comes now, it's not going to be easy to get Manchester United where they want to be. You ask the question, will they be any better tonight? It's the same people running the team. It's the same people who've been given massive responsibility every single week to put that team on the pitch. Arguably, it's more Kieran McKenna and Michael Carrick who's been preparing the team. Well, he gives them that responsibility to, 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 to do that. So while that changes now, I don't know. And I think in preparation, we talk about people above the manager. Four weeks ago, that Liverpool game, that, that, that was the time. It was the time that we knew that Ollie was going to go. Look, it, it was plainly obvious. 
So then, the people above had to prepare the next batch, the next manager, the next batch of staff. I'd be, I'd be almost embarrassed being on the staff now mm. after what happened to Ollie. Being on the staff, preparing the team for this game tonight. I think they all should have gone, whether it was sacked or they go off their own back, because they were part of Ollie's team. Ollie trusted them each week to prepare a team for games, and they've let they've let the club down. They've let the players down just as much as Ollie has. So, oh, at that point there about walking around as, as one of the coaches who was on the, in the regime before under Ollie, it would be a hard a hard couple of days. That the first meeting. Like there's a there's there's a the, the focus and the attention from that squad on to, right. What's your next move? What's your what's your first few words out of your mouth? That'll determine which way we go. We're going to follow you, or we're still going to see you as one of the the people that was under Ollie that didn't work before. It's a huge moment. Huge. What can they do differently? Real? I don't know. I, I don't Ollie understand. changed the team tonight. He's made four four changes, including taking out Bruno Fernandez, which I guess is a statement. But so you, you know when you you know when you was uh, you went in, didn't you? Um, yeah. With with Giggsy and Nicky Butt, you was coaching. Ryan was taking the team as the manager. Did was it? Did you have a big say in what went on in terms of the team selection? We, we give our thoughts, of course we do. To Ryan, you have, you have to give your thoughts to him. But he, he was in charge. You got the impression. Well, you knew. I knew he was in charge. Mm. Whenever, whenever something major on the training field needed to be done, whether it was team shape, then Ryan did it. You knew he was in charge. He was going to pick the final team. Mm. I get the impression with Ollie, you put a lot of trust into Michael. Mm. You put a lot of trust into Kieran, a lot of trust into Mike Phelan, which is why yeah. they shouldn't be at the club now, I don't think. And I've got good friends there. Michael's a good friend. Darren Fletcher, Mike Phelan. I've worked with these people. I just think if I was in their position now, I'd be feeling guilty working at this football club still while Ollie put so much trust in them. And there you have it, Paul Scholes, much like Roy Keane, he doesn't hold back. Sometimes you get the likes of a Gary Neville or a Rio Ferdinand who are hesitant to criticise people that they played with or people that they're friends with. But you don't get that from Scholesy or Roy Keane, you get pure honesty and that's what we've got here. And he's right, perhaps uh, Carrick and Co should have gone and... Um, but that would have left us in a situation where we had nobody in charge at all. We are going for the interim coach. It has been a hectic week with the, the favouritism in the market for the next manager changing constantly. We now have Ralph Ragnick at the top of the tree, but he's 1-33. to 33, So he's almost guaranteed to come in now for the next six months as the interim coach. And then we'll be looking to appoint a permanent manager. There were some heavy rumours that we were going to get Mauricio Pochettino early, that he was going to leave P. PSG. That's not going to happen by the look of things, but it does look like, in my opinion, that we are going to get Pochettino at some point and that'll probably happen in the summer. I myself, while well, my son was worldwide news this week, you could read about this story everywhere in every single national newspaper. They had it on their websites. It was on Lad Bible. It was on Football Daily. We got Mauricio Pochettino to sign Austin's Manchester United shirt. Now, this actually leaked into the papers, not via us. It was via a journalist who was staying at the Lowry Hotel. Now, I'm going to run through this chronologically. It's not really a long story short situation. So we were at the Lowry Hotel. It was our intention to stay there 
because Austin wanted to meet, get a photo with and get an autograph from Lionel Messi. That was his sole goal. Also, we had tickets to the Manchester City Paris Saint-Germain game the next day because he also wanted to watch Messi play and of course, Kylian Mbappe, Neymar, etc. So that's why we're in at the Larry Hotel. The Larry Hotel is the number one hotel in Manchester. It's the hotel where all of the away teams stay when they play against Manchester City. It's the hotel where Manchester United stay for all of their home games every single week. So what the Manchester United players do is that they uh, park their cars at Old Trafford. They then get onto a bus, which drives them down to the Lowry, and they stay there for 24 hours to prepare for the game. And then they leave in their own cars that are already parked up at Old Trafford. That is the Manchester United protest process and protocol that they follow every single game. And the big teams for the Champions League, they all stay at the Lowry. Big celebrities all stay at the Lowry. The Lowry is the hotel where Jose Mourinho lived for his entire time when he was at Manchester United. So it was during his entire tenure, he lived at the Lowry Hotel and he enjoyed living at the Lowry Hotel. So we booked into the Lowry Hotel. We paid that money because we made that investment in him meeting Lionel Messi. And he succeeded in meeting Lionel Messi. I'll post that photo on Twitter at the SGP Soccer account. That's at SGP Soccer, at SGP Soccer. And you can see that he met Messi. His first meeting with Messi actually occurred downstairs in the lobby as they were going for team training. He ended up meeting Messi and getting his autograph quickly. I wasn't able to get I wasn't able to get a good photo of them together because it was literally just I'll sign that because you're a kid and I'll walk off kind of situation. Then when they came back, they had dinner on a different floor. Now this is the bad thing about COVID because the players are still in isolation situations. They were staying up on the fourth floor of the hotel and they were having their food on the on the mezzanine floor. So we were allowed on the restaurant, the ground floor, floor one, two and three, but you weren't allowed on four or or or, or, um, or level M. So we knew that the players were eating on level M after training. We knew that would take approximately 30 minutes to an hour. So Austin implemented an old school trick that I used to use when I was a lot younger, when I was a teenager and I would stay in the same hotel as the WWE wrestlers. I would simply just sit by the elevators, just pushing the buttons and hoping it, hoping I would open it up to a wrestler. Well, Austin did that. And he opened the elevator to Lionel Messi, Di Maria, Sarabia and Akadi. And when they asked him if he was going up, he said he was. In the elevator, he, he stood there with Messi and he said to him that he's the greatest player ever. Messi thanked him and uh, Sarabia said, when we get out of the lift, I'll take a picture of you guys. And Austin then got a picture with Di Maria and Messi. As Austin was coming down the stairs... He then ran into me and told me the story. And as he was telling me the story, he then ran into Mauricio Pochettino and got his first photo with Pochettino. So the next morning, we're sitting there having our breakfast. The players are having their breakfast in a different area. But surprisingly, we see Mauricio Pochettino coming down into the breakfast area. He's coming down there to meet his family. He's got two teenage children, one boy, one girl, and uh, his wife as well. So he comes down into the breakfast area to meet them. Austin's got his autographed stuff or stuff he wants to get autographed in a bag. And one of the items he's got there is a Man United shirt. Not because he's intending to get the Man United shirt signed at the hotel, but because the next day we're planning to go to Manchester United's training ground because we're in Manchester anyway. So as we're looking for stuff for Pochettino to sign, we come up with a PSG card and I say to him, get him to sign the Man United shirt because 
at this point in time, there was heavy, heavy speculation that he was coming in. Now, we knew about the Ralph Ragnick rumours as well. And I'm not dissuaded by the Ralph Ragnick rumours. I know that he's going to come in next. I don't think Pochettino's going to be the next manager. But I also know he's on a six-month contract and then a two-year consultancy. So I do know that Pochettino is very likely coming in at one point. And we also can tell that by the way that Pochettino was answering his questions. And the fact that Pochettino's children were meeting him at the restaurant to have breakfast means that Pochettino's children are living in England. I think that's a well-known fact. But if your children are living in England and you're living in a hotel in Paris and your one objective is to win the Champions League and if you don't you're going to be sacked by the other man like the other managers in the past like Emre like Thomas Tuchel then I think Pochettino knows where his future lies and his future lies in Manchester so as Pochettino was getting off the table Austin goes and gets the card signed and then he goes for the shirt and in the picture you can clearly see there's a representative of Paris Saint-Germain there saying this is a Manchester shirt don't sign the shirt this is a Manchester shirt don't sign the shirt now I don't speak Argentinian or French or whatever he was, whatever he was speaking but I could constantly hear the guy saying Manchester and pointing and, and generally not looking too happy but it was Pochettino who ended up just laughing this off said it was fine 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 told the guy, gave the guy a calm down gesture and um, and then just signed the Manchester United shirt. So that's the full story behind that. How it got out into the papers was there was a guy who was also having breakfast in the Lowry who came up to us and said, excuse me. And we said, yeah, did you just get Pochettino to sign a Manchester United shirt? And we said, yes. It goes, oh my God, can I get a picture of that? I want to share it in my WhatsApp group. So me thinking nothing of it, obviously me just thinking it's a hilarious story that I want to share in my WhatsApp group and that I want to share with my audience here on this show. I let him take a picture. Well, this arsehole ends up being a journalist for Sky Sports and he goes on to talk about it on Sky Sports and ends up selling my image and my story to every single publication possible. And I'm talking about all the ones I mentioned, The Sun, The Metro, Lad Bible, Football Daily, everybody's running with the story. So that very day, I call in to Talk Sport, which is a major radio station here in the UK, to give my side of the story. I contact The Sun in the morning to try and do a version of Austin's story. We get a small little piece in the newspaper where we didn't make nearly near as much money as this guy did selling our story. So that's the facts behind the matter. I will be posting all of it on social media. I will be looking to talk about it a little little bit more, getting Austin another platform to talk about it a little bit more because he's the one that deserves the press for this. He's the one that had the guts to get Mauricio Pochettino to sign a Man United shirt. But I think the main story out of this is the fact that Mauricio Pochettino did sign a Manchester United shirt and I'm the one that has the photographic evidence for that. What it means in the long run, I don't know. I do personally think that Pochettino is going to be the Manchester United manager. I don't know if Pochettino signs that shirt if he isn't. I don't know if Pochettino just signs anything you want him to sign. I don't know how much you read into it. I don't know how much you don't. But I think this situation, as I said, with Ralph Ragnick coming in on a six-month contract to be the interim manager and then having two years consultancy, I think that indicates that someone else is coming in to take the job. Even if Ralph Ragnick gets us into the top four and wins either the FA Cup or the Champions League. So what's my thought? Thoughts on the whole Ralph Ragnick situation? Well, I'm positive about getting Ralph Ragnick in. To be honest with you, when we were looking at the rumoured names, he was my second choice to come in. My first was always Zidane. I thought Zidane could get something out of the French players, particularly the ones that are underperforming, like a Pogba and a Martial. 
He's worked with Varane before. He's worked with Ronaldo before. They're key players in our team. I thought that Zinazine Zidane would be a respected manager that the players would play for. He's tactically aware. And I thought he would be the right man for the job. But he doesn't want to live in England. He doesn't want to live in Manchester. After that, I think you're looking at Ralph Ragnick. The one reservation I have is why hasn't Ralph Ragnick had that big job before? Why has nobody taken a chance on Ralph Ragnick? You have to wonder about that. You have to worry about that. Now, obviously, someone has to eventually, and that's what Manchester United are doing here, but only on a six-month contract. You also look at what Ralph Ragnick's done. Now, his thoughts and philosophies and the way he sees football has been highly praised by many managers, including Thomas Tuchel, Lurgan Klopp, and Pep Guardiola, who all consider Ralph Ragnick an influence in their careers. So you can't turn your nose up at that. You also look at the fact that he is a builder of clubs. He has taken clubs from nowhere. He's built Leipzig. He's built Hoffenheim. He's built them from the bottom. He knows how to fix clubs. He knows how to build clubs. And Manchester United, they need a serious rebuild, in my opinion, from the Alex Ferguson days. We never, ever rebuilt from Alex Ferguson. We always thought that we could just find the next Alex Ferguson. We always thought we could just shoehorn somebody in there and continue the glory, whereas other clubs evolved. They started from the bottom. Liverpool started at the bottom with Jurgen Klopp, and now they're an established team, and they did it with very, very little money. Manchester United always thought that they could just shoehorn somebody in to replace Alex Ferguson, and they always allowed Alex Ferguson to have an influence over the club in terms of who would be his successor, even though he left the club back in 2013, and his successor was David Moyes. Once that failed, Alex Ferguson's influence should have gone with it, and I'm not attacking Ferguson. For for Ferguson, I've constantly said we owe all the thanks in the world to, because he is the one who has given us all of the glory and all of the enjoyment that we've had over the years. That's all down to Fergie. But the fact is, the game has evolved and everybody has evolved and Manchester United have been left behind in terms of the way that they build their squads, in terms of the way that their stadium is, in terms of the way that we handle ourselves in the transfer market, in terms of everything, in terms of the the science of the games, in terms of the basics of the games. Like We are well behind. We are lagging behind and we need a complete rebuild and that's where Ralph Ragnick will be a positive as well. When he leaves this job as the interim manager, being in the background, helping with the rebuild of the club. That's where Ralph Ragnick will be pivotal. The only issue I have with Ralph Ragnick, and it probably won't be an issue due to the fact that he's only going to have the job for six months, is the second season syndrome with Ralph Ragnick. If we look at what he did with Schalke, guiding him into the Champions League and challenging for the Bundesliga title, the next season he was fired a few months later into the season. So that was because the way that he plays with the Gagan press, it does tend to wear players out. And we've seen it with other clubs. We saw it with Liverpool. Liverpool's title defence of the Premier League was one of the worst in history because the players looked absolutely knackered the next season. And there are drawbacks to running and pressing and um, and closing down the space and, and running more kilometres than any other team. The drawback is that you can't do it season in with season out and doing it with your key players. You need to be able to rotate and you need to be able to find a way to utilise your key key players all of the time and not wear them out completely by playing that type of pressing style. It's something that Liverpool have fallen short with before and it's something that's been seen with Ragnick's teams in the past in terms of them not being able to perform during that second season. That is something that I picked up on. So overall, I do think this is a positive step in the right direction. I think this is a big upgrade from Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. I think it's a big upgrade from Michael Carrick. 
I think I'm looking forward to the weekend coming and going, no matter what the result. Obviously, I'm hoping for a positive result because we cannot drop any further out of the league title race. I think we're out of it already, to be honest. Um, And we certainly can't drop any further out away from the top four. We need to be qualifying for the Champions League so that whoever takes over next season is taken over a Champions League team. And I do believe, once again, that that will be Mauricio Pochettino. So I'm positive about this Ragnik change. I think it will start from the Arsenal game on Thursday. If not, it will start next Sunday at home to Crystal Palace. But I do believe that Ragnik has a decent run of games to get off to a decent start. When you're looking at playing Crystal Palace, Norwich, Brentford and Young Boys and then Brighton in your first five games here before Christmas, they are all winnable games. And I think Ragnik could get off to a possible start as the new Manchester United manager. So up next, we're going to move on to the Chelsea game covered exclusively here on BetMUFC. Manchester United travelling to Chelsea. Here's what Michael Carrick's had to say going into this weekend's game. Is your future clear? Do you know what your role's going to be when the next person comes in, when that might be? Really, my, my, my future is this this next, what we are now, two, three days. That, that's, as, that's as far as I'm, I'm, I'm prepared to look. Um, I think that's the right way to, to go about it. Um, Football is that kind of business that you never know what's around the corner at the best of times. So, um, yeah, all my energy and, and, and my mind at the moment is, is on Sunday. Is that difficult or is it better to be focused on one thing? Because the unknown is, is, is so large behind you and in front of you in terms of who that manager could be, when they might be coming in. What, what, how do you focus on just one thing? control what I can control and, 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 and that's um, what happens next when I, when I leave this room, what, what's next on the agenda, how, what, how do we prepare the team for, for, for the game uh, that's what I can control how, how I can contribute and, and everything else is, 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 is not for me to, to worry about, get involved with because um, I need to win a game of football and, and that's what I'm looking forward to doing have you had any directive at all from, from up above or is it just this is your position for as long as we need you to do it yeah, pretty much, yeah. Um, I didn't have to ask too many questions. It, uh, it, it's obviously happened too, um, very quickly. and um, This is my role for now. So however long it may be, I'm focusing on the next few days. And whatever goes on after that, then we'll go on after that. Are you also getting a sample now, not just of, of what it feels like to take Manchester United to a victory, but also all the, the pressures that come with, with being that first port of call for players, people like us, the media as well, the fans? I um, don't really see it as pressure, to be honest. Um, in, in some ways, I've, I've, I've felt quite comfortable over the last few days. It's, I've, I've known this club for so long and kind of been used to it. Yeah, it's kind of one man sitting in this position, but um, the rest of it that comes with playing here, I've, 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 I've kind of just what I know and, and what I've been doing for so long. So in that respect, it's been quite a quite a natural step and it um yeah of course you're i'm, I'm aware of, of, of the responsibilities of it and um but obviously there's a challenge comes with that and I, like i said before you use that as motivation to, to give me energy to to succeed what do you think it is that, that your players need from you at the moment um it, the, well we need to be stable together i think we need to um which we showed you know this is the We've got a game behind us now, so it's very different sitting here talking to you now than it was uh, Sunday afternoon and uh, when everything was quite fresh, even though it feels fresh. A game uh, in a week is, is quite a long time in football. Um, so hopefully I've already given them 
um, to an extent what, what they need and um, made them aware of what, what I expect. So um, I'm just adding to that as, as the week goes on and the days tick by. What do you expect from them? From the players? To give the best, to try the best. I say the same to my children, you know, you, all you can do is do your best. Um, and I can't ask any more of you. Some, sometimes it'll work, sometimes maybe not. But how can anyone else question? How can anyone question if, if that's what you've got to give? Uh, I asked for that the other night, and I thought they gave absolutely everything they had, and uh, that showed. And that's why we got the win in, in the manner that we did. And uh, we'll be asking for exactly the same for, for the weekend. And that game against Chelsea, European champions, flying at the moment in the league. Is that what this is all about? When when you put yourself in the position that you are now, you want these huge challenges. I didn't put myself in this position, but um, yeah, of course, to be in the, involved in the big games in whatever way, as a player, as a coach, uh, now now as a uh, as managing the team for the moment, um, yeah, the, it's a hugely challenging game, and they always are these big games. Of ever since I came to the club, playing against Chelsea. Um, at the start, was you know we were big, big rivals and, and challenging for league titles. Both of us going, going head to head. So, there's I've got a history with with, with Chelsea, and I enjoy that. And uh, that's competition at the highest level. That's what that's what we're here for. That's what we thrive on. And surely this is is, is definitely one of those occasions. How are you going to beat them? How do you plan on it? We'll have a plan, of course. Um, we'll have a plan. Like we go into every game, having a plan. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll try and find a way. We'll go there looking forward to the game. It's uh, massively positive going down there, looking forward to it. Like we did on Tuesday night, even with, with everything that had gone um, on before and in the position we were in, and um, we went there looking to win the game and, and, and looking forward to the game. I think it's important that you look forward to the challenge and, and we'll certainly do that. How long do you want to be in this position for? It's not about how, how much I want to do to do this or how long. I think it's, it's, it's what's what's uh, asked of me really and um, at the moment I'm, 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 I'm enjoying it for, for, for what it is uh, I under, understand what it is and, um, and my responsibilities um, but I'm literally looking at this next game it's, it's such a big challenge and such a good game to be involved in and whatever happens to that we'll have to, after that sorry we'll have to wait and see so according to Michael Carrick we do have a plan to beat Chelsea this weekend. I can't wait to see it. This is the EPL game of the week where Chelsea have been backed into strong favourites. They opened the week up at 8-13. to They are now 8-15, to so that is somewhat significant line movement. It's 10-3 to on the draw, and it's 19-4 to here on Manchester United. It's difficult for me to see how this game plays out. Had it been under under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, this would have been a straightforward home win. And I'm not saying it's not a straightforward home win at the moment. I do still expect Chelsea to win this game. I'm not sold on Man United off the back of an away win against Villarreal. But I am sold by some of the things that we did. What we seem to do is we seem to press at the right times. At some points in the game... It looked like we had abandoned the press completely and decided to to sit back and be a little bit more organised. And then suddenly there were periods where we pressed really, really well. So what I saw in this game was selective pressing. It wasn't an all-out strategy to press and it wasn't an all-out strategy to sit back. Now, it's interesting because one of my criticisms of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's team was is that they didn't know how to press efficiently. They would press too much and they would leave 
big gaps and they didn't have any tactics behind the press. This looked like a more tactical press. There were certain situations where they were advised to press, which resulted in actually the, the two goals where Fred won the ball back for us. And there were situations where they were told to sit back. And for some reason, the game management in this game was a lot better, where Manchester United knew how to press at the right times. Now, this could all go completely wrong. This could, again, be a game where we press incorrectly and, and without any tactical know-how behind it and leave huge gaps at the back for Chelsea to expose us like many teams have done, particularly that Liverpool game. This could be a game like the Manchester City game, where we don't know how to win the ball back, where the formation isn't set up for pressing and we have too many men back. Therefore, we only have five men doing the work and one of them's Ronaldo. And Ronaldo, like we saw in the PSG game, and we're talking about Neymar and Mbappe and Messi, he doesn't like to do that work. So it's very difficult to see how this one goes. Obviously, all the data points to Chelsea. Chelsea have won eight of their last 10 games in all competitions with two draws. Man United have lost two of their last three away games in the league. The Blues have seven clean sheets in their last nine games. Reese James has four goals in nine Premier League appearances for Chelsea going into this. And they're coming off their own Champions League win, which was a 4-0 drilling of Juventus in midweek. That was on the same night that Manchester United played. So it's um, it's difficult to see Manchester United getting any kind of positive result here. But I don't think Man United are also going to be on the end of a drubbing. I do think they're going to be able to avoid that. And I do think they're going to remain competitive in this game. I think they're going to set up to be tight and cagey. I think they're going to get men behind the ball. They're going to selectively press in this game. We're going to see Chelsea having large amounts of ball possession and they're going to be looking to initiate the breakthrough in this game while Manchester United look to get the breakthrough via the break. And for that reason, I think you'll see Marcus Rashford returning to the team and they'll go with the front three of Rashford, Sancho and Cristiano Ronaldo, giving them the maximum pace up top to win this game. My uh, top selection here for this game would be to take the under three goals in this one. Now, you have to lay a little bit more juice for that selection because the over underline here for 10 to 11, 10 to 11 is set at 2.75. But for the under three here, you have to take it at three to four. So I think that's worth doing because you get full protection if there are three goals in this game. If there are three goals in this game, with the 2.75, you lose half your stake. With the three, you get all of your stake back if there's three goals. You lose the bet if there's four. I don't see four goals in this game. I don't see an early goal in this game. I see it being cagey for the first 30 minutes. I see Chelsea dominating the ball and looking to to get the breakthrough. And I see Manchester United trying to counter. Obviously, Chelsea are a difficult team to counter against. Otherwise, they would concede a lot more goals. And we've seen their clean sheet record. So I think it's going to be difficult for Man United to score in this game. I think it's going to have to come through a mistake where Chelsea leave themselves open to a counter at the back. All from a moment of brilliance. And Man United do have those players when you're looking at the likes of a Fernandez and a Cristiano. Ronaldo that can get you a goal from a moment of magic. We've seen Ronaldo do it throughout the entire season. Or we see Man United's resistance broken down with Chelsea getting the breakthrough just before half-time or early in the second half. I think either scenario leaves you in a good position to cash this play. I don't see four goals in this game. And my strongest play here will be on the under as I look for Carrick to implement the same tactics and set up the same way. But just giving himself a little bit more pace up top. Taking out Martial and putting Marcus Rashford back into the team. Other than that, I don't see many changes here for this United team. So that's going to be your lean here for the game of the week for Chelsea versus Manchester United. And that's going to do it here for this edition of Bet MUFC. I'll be back in midweek to preview the game against Arsenal. That's it for me. 
Good luck with all of your bets as always, guys. And thanks for listening.